I am so excited to be teaming up with Pandora to bring you these special episodes of Rain to celebrate our inspirational female sporting stars. Pandora are the official national jewelry sponsor of UEFA Women's Euro 2022. With games across nine UK cities, this is a sporting moment for everybody. One that's a celebration of inclusion, diversity, and female empowerment, something both Rain and Pandora are all about. The UEFA Women's Euros are set to be the biggest women's European sporting event in history and will create half a million new football opportunities for women and girls by 2024. That is real change we should all be cheering for. Together, Pandora and Rain want to encourage women and young girls everywhere to follow your dreams and reach your goals. Not just during this epic summer of sport, but always be it on the court, on the pitch, or in your career. So babes, let's come together to be fearless and create our own story, just like our inspirational athletes. And with Pandora, there's always a piece of jewelry you can create or customize to help tell that story. Just head to pandora.net or your nearest store. Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. I'm so glad you're here, babes. If you know anything about me, you'll know that I am absolutely obsessed with women's sport and there's so much of it to look forward to this summer. So I wanted to dedicate a few special episodes of the podcast this summer to some of our most inspirational athletes. This podcast is all about opening up, having big conversations, celebrating wins and taking the losses as lessons to make it rain over our own lives. I always find things in these conversations to think about in my own life, and I really hope you will too. So, welcome to Rain. Rev those engines, because today we're joined by a real game changer in the world of motorsport pro racing car driver, Samantha Tan. After starting her solo racing career at just 16 years old, Samantha made history as the first Canadian woman and the first Asian woman to win a major international endurance racing series. Samantha races for up to 24 hours in team endurance races where teammates swap in and out of the car in shifts. And I thought getting to the other side of London was an endurance race. In this episode, Samantha talks about the gender gap in motorsport and tells me about the draw-dropping sexism she's experienced from male racing drivers. Samantha also tells me about how she races with a full face of makeup underneath her helmet and how she's become the representation she looked for in sport growing up. You honestly won't believe the stories you are about to hear. So I hope this episode encourages you to get out there, achieve your dreams, no matter what the cultural differences you might face, just like Samantha. Crowns at the ready, let's rain. Hello, babe. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. And I'm just so excited that I get to talk to you today because these episodes that we're bringing out right now is all about celebrating game-changing women in sport. And you are the definition of a game-changer. You're operating in a very male-dominated space of motorsport and you're winning. You're out there, top of the podiums and doing it your way as well. But I thought it'd be a good place to start as we take it right back to the beginning. And when did you first fall in love with racing? And you were like, I've got to do this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So 
It started at a very young age. My dad never raced himself, but he was super into cars, super into Formula One. So I kind of grew up around it. And he used to take me to track days when I was a kid, like a little seven-year-old girl sitting passenger and like flinging me around on track. I absolutely loved it. But it wasn't until I was like 14 years old and I sat in my very first race car. It was a 458 Ferrari Challenge. Um, I got taken out uh, with a pro driver uh, on a racetrack, of course, and I was just absolutely blown away by the speed, the like intense braking and all the G-forces. So like when I got out of that car, I like made the decision right then and there. I was like, this is so badass. I want to be a race car driver. (laughs) I love it. The badass life just basically chose you, didn't it? (laughs) Exactly. I love it. And on that journey from being that 14 year old who got behind that car and was like, I'm going to do this. I guess ever since then, you have been on such a journey to get to where you are. What do you think have been some real turning points and hurdles you've had to overcome to achieve your dreams and rise to the top of the sport as well? Oh, man. Yeah, it's been a been a crazy journey especially uh, when I started in the sport I was like 16 years old you know still trying to figure out who I was as a person trying to figure out my identity still trying to figure it out you know I don't think there will ever reach a point in life where we're like I've got my shit together you know (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I mean I guess I've been also in college during my full-time racing career as well so it's just been a roller coaster of you know, all these challenges. But I think a major turning point for me was when I think I was 19 or 20 years old. It was 2017. I can't really remember what age I was. But I had my very first major crash. I know not really a positive thing, but um, it kind of, I hit a wall at 100 miles per hour, so 160 (gasps) kilometers per hour. Um, I walked out with just a sprained ankle, thankfully. Um, But that was totally my fault. I kept my foot on the brake pedal when I hit the wall, which you're not supposed to do. Um, And that's what ended up spraying it. But I walked out completely fine. Um, But it totally shattered my self-confidence. And that was a point in which I I started really, really doubting whether or not I had the skills I needed to become a successful race car driver. But it was really that kind of pushing through the resistance and pushing through that self-doubt, which I think has led me to my successes today because I kind of like put it all aside and was like, no, you got this. (laughs) You got to keep pushing, keep training. And yeah, from that point on, I mean, it's just been all going up. (laughs) I cannot believe that you were involved in something. So it must have been quite traumatizing at the time. And you got through that. That that is pure self-belief and determination. And I guess... For you, you're routinely involved in team endurance sprints, where some last for like a full 24 hours, which just honestly blows my actual mind when I think about it. And you and your teammates and you swapping out the car during shifts, but that is so grueling. How do you dig deep to like get into a positive mindset to get yourself through that? Oh yeah, I mean the 24-hour races are all insanely <laughs> physically and mentally exhausting. Um, Luckily, our stints are really only two hours at a time, but the time that I do have in between my stints, like I'm at physio, I'm napping, I'm eating as much food as I possibly can (laughs) to kind of regain that energy. But if I'm 
I always get nervous before I get in the car. Like I have like really bad anxiety before I get in the car actually. Um, and I kind of have this like pre-race routine that I go through. Either it's like bumping Doja Cat super loud and getting into <laughs> that like bad bitch vibe, you know? <laughs> you gotta really pump yourself up, right? <laughs> Um, but what really works for me is again, like thinking about all those times where I've kind of, how do I put this, exceeded my own expectations, Mm. um, where I've again, pushed through self doubts and really come out on top. Just thinking about all those successful and happy times that I've had just really puts me in the right mindset, um, and gives me the self-confidence I need to succeed. That's so incredible because... I guess that has made you the game changer you are because you are the first Canadian woman to become the overall champion of a major endurance series, which is incredible, but also the first Asian woman to win a major international endurance racing series. That's like, you're a pioneer in so many ways, but what's it mean to you to be the first and become the representation you probably long needed as well? Sure, I mean, when I first started in the sport, there were no role models that looked like me. Um, so it was really like a kind of a lonely journey having to navigate the racing world with no role models. And so early on, I recognized how important it was for me to become the representation I lacked in a sport mm. that deserves diversity. And so having that title and being like the first Asian woman to, and first Canadian woman as well to become, uh, or to win a major international endurance racing championship. It just, it means so much to me because I know how important it is for a lot of young girls um, who are, you know, trying to get into the sport and just to have that kind of role model to, to have, I guess, a counter example to all these stereotypes and challenges and struggles that we face. Um, for example, I actually had a friend recently who, I talk a lot about wearing makeup under my helmet on on race days because I feel that in a lot of male-dominated sports, if you show it any kind of form of femininity, like people don't take you seriously. Mm. Um, And I'm trying to show that, you know, you can wear a full face of makeup and still be successful, obviously. Yes, you can. (laughs) Exactly. So this, my friend went to her very first track day um, and then... I think she filmed a bit and somebody was actually like hating on her in the comments for like her wearing makeup and she's like let me introduce you to samantha tan and that's exactly the kind of thing i'm trying to um be i guess a kind of role model for all these girls so yeah because <laughs> i think that traditionally motorsports and car racing have had such a problem with involving women in that community and also propelling them to be competitors in their own right. Because when you look at, for instance, like Formula One, in theory, women and men can actually compete in the same races, but it's only in theory. And I think it's taking so long to get to a point where we have gender parity in motorsports. Do you think it's a cultural problem where it's such a male-dominated space that women are just not necessarily as welcome, do you think? Yeah, I do think it's a cultural thing for now because I think growing up, a lot of girls are taught that kind of like we're delegate, that we need protection, that we're not supposed, that we're supposed to play it safe, right? And Mm. boys are taught to play rough. And I think we're taught to kind of doubt ourselves when we're faced with a challenge. So coming into a male-dominated industry, there is a lot of, I guess, like, 
oh, challenge, not challenges, challenge isn't the correct word, but people, people doubt you a lot. And I could, I can see why that would deter a lot of um, girls and women from joining the sport. Um, but again, the car doesn't care what race or gender you are. It just cares about whether or not you can drive it well, you know? <laughs> yes. That's one of the reasons why I love racing is because, you know, men and women can compete on an equal level. And that's why I kind of kind of have my um, I disagree with W Series and segregating women and having our own, you know, we don't need to be segregated. But I understand that, you know, it does give a lot more opportunities to women, but that isn't to say that we can't compete on an equal level. Mm. Well, you've shown that in a full throttle way. What kind of sexism would you come up against in the sport? And how have you learned to deal with that kind of negativity when you come up against it as well? For sure. I mean, I've had, when I first started in the sport, nobody really saw me as a real race car driver. People thought I was more of a model because I liked taking photos with cars. Um, And even times when I'd show up to specifically driver autograph sessions in my racing suit, people were were still asking me, they're like, oh, are you a great girl? (laughs) <laughs> or are, are, are you are you a driver and i'm like why would i show up in my race suit <laughs> at the driver autograph session and then like times even more recently still um last year at the 24 hour of barcelona i put down a really good lap during qualifying and i heard from one of my competitors that they thought that they put my teammate my male teammate in the car and used my driver identification thinking that, like, you know, I didn't run that lap at all. Um, but I came back and beat him by 30 minutes, so. Yes! <laughs> that is it! That is showing them how it's done. I love that. Yeah, so it's it's really unfortunate that we still have these, you know, times where our successes are constantly being invalidated. I mean, there's times where I've seen women be successful in racing and people are like saying things like, oh, it's because, you know, she slapped her way up the ladder or things like that. But, you know, I feel like a lot of us have learned to grow a thick skin and to use these kinds of hate as motivation to prove them wrong because nothing feels better than proving your haters wrong. <laughs> and especially when you beat their time by a good 30 minutes. It's not even like 30 seconds. It's exactly. Like, Take that. <laughs> He wouldn't even look at me on the podium. (laughs) That is a bitter pill to swallow. You're like, I've been on the champagne for 30 minutes waiting for you to catch up, babe. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And I think what's so interesting about motorsports in general is that you do have to be so physically fit and you have to do so much training to even get behind that car because not only like you were saying you travel at over 100 miles an hour but i learned this great fact like the other day when i was researching for this where it takes 90 pounds of pressure to break the car to actually literally like put the brakes on like that is a leg day and a half literally <laughs> literally <laughs> like what has it taught you about your physical strength and the power of your body image as well. Has it given you a more empowered vision of what your body image and what your body can do as well? Yes. Oh man, that's another like big topic is like body image and how I guess my fitness journey <laughs> has changed over the years. But yeah, I, when I started like training, it was a lot about 
you know, the aesthetics about like wanting to be a certain body image, but it, it, it's grown into kind of giving gratitude to my body for allowing me to do the things that I'm passionate about. For example, racing. And yes, 90 pounds of pressure into the brake pedal in every hard brake zone. <laughs> it's really a lot. And side note, I mean, I've had so many people say things like, you know, racing isn't a sport, but look, if I'm getting shin splints because I'm braking so hard, <laughs> that just goes to show you how physical the sport can be. Um, I train, I train five times a week to keep up my physical, um, strength and help me with the endurance factor, but it is a lot of training. Oh my God. To put yourself through that, to have shin splints and literally like, that is just bananas. Like, <laughs> like I, I just can't believe that you have to put your body through so much. I know it's pretty crazy, but you know, I love it. I love the sport. So you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. These special episodes of Rain celebrating our inspirational female sporting stars are brought to you in collaboration with Pandora, who are the official national jewelry sponsor of the UEFA Women's Euro 2022. This summer of sport is all about encouraging women and girls everywhere to feel empowered and motivated to be the person they want to be. Just like these inspirational female athletes you're hearing from in these episodes, you can achieve anything, whether it's in sport, your career, or any of your life goals. Get out there, be fearless, and write your own story. Rain and Pandora are both about lifting up the inspirational people in our lives too. The UEFA Women's Euros are set to be the biggest women's European sporting event in history. So let's back our incredible athletes and make this not only a game-changing summer, but a legacy for women's sport that lasts forever. What's so interesting about sport, and especially what you do, is it's the physicality meets a mindset. So it's physical strength and mental strength coming together. How have you learned to create a positive mindset in your life? And how do you think that becoming an athlete has benefited your mental health in a way too? Ooh, I think the mental aspect is just as important as the physical aspect. You have to train both things. And in fact, racing... I would say is like 85% mental. You're not in the right mental game. You're not making, you're not able to make the correct kind of like split second decisions, right? So the way that I've learned to manage it is hmm, really getting more in tune and like listening to my body and, you know, making sure to check in with myself and not be so hard on myself sometimes. Yeah. I mean, Earlier this year um, at the Dubai 24 hour, it was like our first time in this brand new car and coming off such a strong season last year where I was podiuming every single race. Um, we finished P5, which is a great result, right? But I was being super, super hard on myself um, for no reason. <laughs> but it's really like making those distinctions and like, again, checking in with yourself. So something that racing has taught me is that perfection is not a human quality. You really have to learn to just like let go of that idea. Mm. Um, and you have to learn to be okay with failure and you have to be courageous. <laughs> Do you think you have 
a better relationship with failure. Because I guess when you're an athlete, it's about podium places, it's about being the best, it's about getting to, into the pole positions, it's about being at the front of the race. But how do you then, away from that, make sure you work on your self-esteem and your self-esteem away from being defined as a sports person as well? Yeah, I mean, I think racing at its core is the pursuit of perfection. You're always trying to be the fastest. You're trying to, you know, get every corner perfectly. But yeah, again, you have to learn to accept failure. You have to learn to be okay with it because whenever you try anything new, you know, you're going to fail so many times and you're going to make so many mistakes. But failure just means that you're trying when you fail, you're able to eliminate a method that won't work. And from that failure, we always learn, we grow, and that's what ultimately makes us succeed. Yes, that is the spirit. I love that. And I think that is what it's going to be all about because there's so many times that we go through negative periods in our lives. We can either let them affect us or we can let them propel us forward, right? Like, is there a negative time in your sporting career that's ultimately propelled you forward? into the next step and to become the person you are sitting here today. Yeah, again, I think my my really only example would have been that that huge crash that I had. Um, and, and again, just coming from that, that's pretty much the biggest failure you could have in racing, right? Is, is you crash and total your car and you're unable to continue the race. And it was really that like shattering of self-confidence and, and dealing with all that self-doubt and learning to push through it that has again, set me up for the successes I've had today. I mean, it's been pretty successful for me, so. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing though. And one of the things I love about you and what you were saying earlier about why you wear makeup underneath your helmet is to show that you can be the most feminine side of yourself and you can still go out there and be a killer sports person who can win those races and be taken just as seriously. When you reflect on your own relationship with beauty and when you were growing up, when did you first felt seen and how's your relationship with beauty really changed in your life? Um, I grew up in a very predominantly white community. Um, I was very used to being the only Asian in my entire class for many, many years. And I it ended up, unfortunately, making me hate being Asian and mm-hmm. because I felt like I had to conform and you know that translated into me you know dyeing my hair and bleaching my hair blonde wearing colored contacts um, but it wasn't until I came to Irvine for college and I was now surrounded by Asian people it was honestly kind of a culture shock for me <laughs> that I started to realize how I guess like beautiful my culture and heritage was and it wasn't until I really started seeing representation in media for example Crazy Rich Asians, Shang-Chi, where I felt seen and that's kind of like a turning point where I realized how important again like how important representation has been and how important it is for me to continue on this journey so I can help inspire and empower others as these movies have for me. Mm. That's so special (laughs) to get to that point and be that representation you wanted to see. If you could, knowing that, 
and going on that journey you've gone on and to be this trailblazer that you are, if you could go into that classroom where younger you was, who felt like kind of like an odd one out, what would you want to sit down and say to that you? No. <laughs> that I guess be your most authentic self. I mean, there is so much power in who you are. Like you are so valued, you are so loved. And just know that nothing is out of reach. <laughs> That's amazing. And I think that you've done that. Nothing has been out of reach in your career. You've fully gone for it full throttle and you've managed to get to this position that you're in. And I think this podcast is all about power and becoming the ruler of your own life. Do you think you've become the ruler of your own life now and you have control of your own narrative? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's been it's been a hell of a journey, but you know, the, the growing my self-confidence and self-love over the past few years is just been an amazing journey <laughs> the ruler of your own life honey you're the queen <laughs> yes yes <laughs> i rule this shit <laughs> <laughs> i love that that is the queen energy what we're all about rule this shit and beat the boys yes! you know <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i live for that that is the spirit and i think it's so amazing you can get to that point particularly in a world of sport where, I mean, there's a lot of commentary that comes with being a sports star. There's a lot of like, you know, away from Twitter, away from the commentators, there is so much external criticism. And also it's kind of comes at a point when you also have a lot of internal criticism. How do you think your relationship with external internal criticism has changed? Um, I think I learned very early on to kind of ignore the external criticism because you can't please everybody and that's something I had to learn very early on as a people pleaser <laughs> mm. um, but people are gonna hate on you regardless I feel like if people don't hate on you you're not doing something right <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway <laughs> um, and the, the internal I think part of it has probably been the most difficult yeah, I think I've definitely struggled with the internal side of things a lot more um, because you are your biggest critic and you're constantly, constantly trying to, especially as an athlete, um, try to become better and stronger than you were before. And that does take, you know, that internal criticism sometimes, but you really have to learn how to balance it. Um, don't be, don't be so hard on yourself. Just, just do your best. <laughs> mm, it's so true. And I think that statement comes at a time where we are talking about mental health in sport in a way that we've never spoken about before. And I mean, you've only got to look at Nomi Osaka to know how amazing and what a difference that has made to actually open up and talk about mental health. Do you feel like that, those kind of discussions has benefited you as a sports person as well, how powerful is it to be at this moment in sport where mental health has actually been taken seriously and also taken into account as well? Oh, I think, yeah, it's it's been great that mental health and discussions around mental health are now being normalized. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. I mean, I still see a lot of, I guess, like criticism towards athletes that, 
you know, have prioritized their mental health, but I have so much respect for them. I mean, it takes so much courage to be able to, to do that. Um, but again, yeah, I think there's still a lot of work to be done, um, but it's definitely helped me, um, especially in those times where I am facing that internal criticism. I have to remember that mental health is extremely important and it should be a priority just as much as my physical health is a priority. 100%. And I think that shows to any young person who's trying to get into the sporting world, wherever it is, or even outside the sporting world, it's okay to talk, it's okay to fail, it's okay to get upset about failure, it's okay to get worried about if you're going to be the best, but it's you've got to stay in your own path. And I think that with you inspiring so many young people to get into sport, for you, what is your hope for the future for those who are coming behind you? What kind of a world in sport do you want them to become part of? Well, when I think about racing specifically, the last statistic I heard about women in motorsport was that three out of every 1,000 drivers are women. And that was crazy to hear. Um, but at Dubai earlier this year, I believe there were eight or nine of us out of probably like 300 drivers. But, you know, we're slowly making progress. But I definitely want to see more of an equal ratio and a lot more diversity and inclusion in sports worldwide. We really need to get to that point because we need we need that community in sport as well because community is so important because, you know, you are in a team sport, but you're also an individual at the same time. And I think that community can be so beneficial, especially when that community is so like-minded, right? For sure. What have you learned about the power of community through being a sports star? Yeah, and that's something I definitely wanted to touch on, especially like for young girls to say that other girls are not your competition. They're your sisters and we need to be there for each other to kind of like cheer each other on, to raise each other up so that we know that we're not alone in all these struggles that we're going through. And, you know, community, community love has been so incredibly important. I'm so fortunate to have had an incredible support system when I started in the industry and they are who I attribute my successes to today. My my dad, my team, my coach. That's amazing. And it's amazing to have them behind you, especially your dad right from the beginning, right? Like he must be so proud of what you've achieved. I know he doesn't really say it. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's part of like Asian culture, right? Is that we don't really speak it into, or we don't really speak it, but we do it through actions. And I know he always has my back. He's my again my biggest support and i'm incredibly grateful to have somebody like him supporting me it's amazing and we are so lucky to have you out there trailblazing for everyone inspiring so many people you're a true role model and you've inspired me so much from talking to you today and before you race off literally <laughs> <laughs> we always end on this question and that is in the reign of your life what is the one rule you'll always live by I was going to go with like some racing quote, but I think I'm going to go with be your most authentic self. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What would the racing quote have been just out of curiosity? I I couldn't think of it. I was like, there's definitely something here. There's definitely something here, (laughs) but I can't think of it. (laughs) 
Well, I think be your most authentic self sums up everything we've spoken about today and everything that you stand for. So thank you for being your authentic self. I'm proud of who you are, everybody. (laughs) Yes, I love it. Thank you so much, Samantha, for joining me. You're amazing. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of Rain. I really hope you found something to take away from this episode, whether you're inspired to go for a run, join a football team, or get involved with supporting our inspirational athletes. Let me know if you have. I'm on socials at Josh Smith Host, and I always love hearing from you and what you've been up to this summer. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow. And more importantly, please share this with someone you think should hear it and get those combos going. And I'll see you next time.